Blog Talk Radio. Hello there. Before we get to ready to unload with Count Sampete number 203, I want to mention TurnOnTheJets.com and their Let's Eat campaign. Uh, this was kicked off by the guys at Turn On The Jets after some billboards and some plain banners. They decided maybe we could unite Jet fans to do something good, to be known for something good. So they have started a campaign on FeedingAmerica.org, which is a great charity to raise money to feed the hungry during this holiday season. It's called, again, the Let's Eat campaign. You can go to turnonthejets.com and there's links to their Feeding America page where you can make a donation. They started this a week ago. They're already around $4,000. They set the bar pretty high for themselves at around twelve, but already over 100 donors. You can go there, donate $25, whatever you can donate, and it really helps. Every dollar helps. And let's have... Uh, Jet fans, be known for something good nationally, for doing some good this holiday season, feeding the hungry. So again, go to TurnOnTheJets.com, check out their Let's Eat campaign, and let's see if we can't raise a bunch of money to feed the hungry this holiday season. All right, time for Ready to Unload with Count Sampete, number 203. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) We're tonight's entertainment. Hold the phone. Hey, brother. (laughs) Coming to you live from Comac, New York, Bayside, New York, and Freehold, New Jersey. New Jersey. It's time for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam Pete, New York Sports Talk Podcast. Nice. Hi. It is Thursday night. It is 10 p.m. It is November the 13th, 2014. Thanks for joining us for the podcast. You guys, we have a ton of sports to talk about, New York sports to talk about. We're going to do it. We're going to do it. I don't even care. We're totally going to do it. Because uh, we were off last week. Everybody was sick. I was sick. People were sick. Um, it was just a bad mojo week. But we're back this week. And man alive, there's a lot. There's a lot here. I am uh, I'm Sam Pete. I am uh, one half of the equation there. I am uh, also uh, known as Steve San Pietro. That's my real name. Sam Pete's the nickname. It's a little. Uh, it's a. It's a. It's a nickname that has stuck since uh, freshman year of college, when a baseball coach called me Salt Peter. And then once I found out what Salt Peter meant, I didn't care for that. Didn't care for it. Because it's what they give soldiers to keep them from getting erections. So, then uh, uh, it became Sam Pete. Much better, much better. 
Anyway, welcome to the program, number two hundred and three. It's it's great to uh, to join us to join us to join you for everybody to be joined today. Radio and load, Collins and Pete, New York Sports Talk podcast. Nice. I have coffee. I have uh, a little bit of an adult beverage, a little wine for my pipes. There was a great coffee conundrum today on Facebook. PJ, uh, also known as Bishop, also known as uh, Pop Culture PJ, which he hates, and uh, Big Donut. He has a lot of nicknames. And Big Donut is well-earned. He started a, uh, a, a riot today talking about getting Tim Horton's Kerrig pods. Uh, you know what? Look, you're either dunking or you're dying. That's it. Dunking or dying. Dunking for life. I'm making a Dunkin' Donuts gang sign right now. By the way, that's how that's how in, in, into Dunkin' Donuts I am. Anyway, uh, we, we're going to talk about coffee later. He's holding up a huge mug of coffee. I have a large Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Half and half, one equal. And uh, we're going to do the podcast. Uh, let's bring in the co-host of the podcast, the guy uh, called Cal. Cal. That's him. That's such a feminine. Whose Cal. voice is that? Oh, there it is. That's, that guy has been with us for like 150 episodes. Does he get like a little piece every time we use that? That is the uh, – those are two examples of the AT&T voice assist uh, devices that you can use if you if you're doing talk to text. Uh, oh, so that's like the voice you. That's like AT and T Siri. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Oh wow. Well, your that, laptop or that guy should be getting a piece because he is he is on every week. Every week he's the same. Let's bring him in. Let's bring in the co the co host of the program. On a motorcycle. (laughs) Recreating Evil Knievel's jump of the 16 overweight waitresses. I could never hear that and not think of the George Carlin bit. The 43 elderly. (laughs) Can I even say it? The 43 elderly, mentally retarded Bolivian senior citizen, <laughs> volleyball fans. Yes, it, that, that that is evil Knievel music. And by the way, if you don't know what George Carlin bit I'm referring to, you should go check it out because it's absolutely brilliant. Um, hi, Cal. Hi, Steve. Welcome to the program. That does sound sort of like evil Knievel music. Or, or uh, Nick Walenda. <laughs> walking across the Grand Canyon. <laughs> Wouldn't we want it to be quiet? Speaking of walking across the Grand Canyon and the death-defying stuff, the the window washers the other day. Yeah, yesterday. At yesterday at One World Trade Center. Good start, by the way. The building's been open for about nine minutes. And um, and these window washers were were trapped on like the fifty third floor or something like that or fifty first floor. No, it was higher than that. No, no, it was in the fifties. It was definitely in the fifties. It 50s. was in maybe the one hundred and fifties. No, they said fifty four. Two twenty eight. Get out of here! You're full of baloney. They were on the five hundred twelve floor. floors. All right, now you're just you're you're all playing around now. But these guys are trapped up there, and I don't know about you guys, but. 
I, I got like vertigo and freaked out just looking at the pictures. Like that's how much I have a fear of heights now. I've decided that my fear of heights has gotten, you know, that's like something that doesn't get tested, right? In other words, and I don't mean by tested like you go to the doctor's office and get tested for a fear of heights. <laughs> I mean, I mean that's that's you something. You drop your pants. We're going to put you about ten feet up in the air. Wait, why like, do I have to? Why do I? Have to, why why do I have to drop my pants? With? Listen, who's the doctor Standard here? <laughs> when you go to medical school for ten years, then you can make the rules. All right. That's right. Now drop your pants. Um, <laughs> it's great how you have to drop your pants for everything. Right. Like PJ, PJ went to get his eyes checked today. Drop your pants. Let's see it. Go. Drop them. But I'm just reading an eye chart. Yep. And you're going to do it better pantsless. Trust me. Um, there, there was somebody on whatever floor it was, 60-something floor, took a picture of this, which here's a couple things. Number one, they have the presence of mind to take a picture of this rather than try to help. Right. Right. All right. Number two... The wind, the scaffolding that the window washers were on. Now, when you see people washing windows, they're on a scaffolding. It's horizontal. Yes. Right. This scaffolding traditionally, was <laughs> traditionally, yes. Yeah, this scaffolding was vertical, and there were people on it. Right. And you're snapping a picture. And you think, well, yeah, but I, I can see how, if you have a fear of heights, that would be a harrowing thing to see. Right, but that was that was what I meant by tested in the sense that you could go months, years without ever being really in a tall building. You know, like like my fear of heights has developed now when I'm uh, uh, in a in a tall building or doing like a uh, a job. And I was on, I think like the like the forty seventh floor of a building the other day. And um, it has the windows, you know, the floor to ceiling windows. So you can, it's, uh, it was the, uh, the New, New York Times building over on 43rd and 8th. Mm-hmm. And they got the floor to ceiling windows. You can walk right up to the window and you're standing there. And I am petrified of heights now, apparently. Like I couldn't even, but that, when is the last time that reflex was tested? When I was in, the last time I was in Toronto at the CN Tower. Sure. I went up in the CN Tower. You're familiar with the CN Tower, right? I am. I am. Okay. Um, they have a glass floor. Yeah, I can't. I can't be a part of that. And that was never a problem before. Really? Because this thing was this was nuts. This was like it was it was thick plexiglass, but you were this was a hundred stories, or whatever the Canadian conversion is, <laughs> up in up in the air. Um. And there were kids jumping on it. There were like little kids like jumping up and down on this plexiglass floor. Which I would have at that time. You're kidding me. You would have I at any point fine. in your life you would have done that? No, at, at age 10 I would have been fine. Two weeks ago I would have, they would have had to carry me out of there. Yeah. Petrified. I was never afraid of heights. And I, I used to go to the top of the, the, the Twin Towers, the Empire State Building all the time. Top of the top of the Twin Towers was one of my favorite places to go when somebody was new to New York. Like it was their first time visiting. First place I would go would be the World Trade Center. To the and, top. And take them to the top of the Twin Towers because you got the best view of how big and expansive Manhattan and New York City is. Right. Because they, they are downtown, so you see all of Manhattan 
And then to your right, you would see Brooklyn. And be, like most people from out of town would be like, oh, Brooklyn's bigger than any city I've ever been to. Forget about Manhattan. Like Brooklyn is bigger than any city I've ever been to. I the used to see that all the time. One of the other attractions at the CN Tower is I don't know I don't know if it's called skywalking or it, they have a name for it. But basically, what they do is they harness you and you walk along the outer rim of this tower. Wrong. And they're they're harnessed and and hooked onto the tower. But, like, the popular thing to do is take a picture of you leaning back over the city of Toronto. Right. <laughs> it, 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 it made me sick just looking at it in a, in a picture on the Internet. I'm wondering about the bishop. Bring, let's bring the bishop in here. Let's get him He's in. been here already. I heard him. I heard him, too, but then he went away. And then he got all quiet all of a sudden. Yeah, and, and another thing, it's not Kerrig. We've talked about this. Look, in my house, it's Keurig. I don't it's care. Keurig. So who are you? Do you have stock? There's a U in the word. Good for them. That's the name. It's not good for them. That's their name. It's, it's a brand. A, oh, please, quiet, please. Please, quiet, please. Bishop's very, theme music is playing. Quiet, please. Very disrespectful. I apologize. It is. It is. A little bit. It's, very, me, mel- it's me, very melancholic. Let me just light my cell phone up. Hold on. <laughs> it's four minutes long. I don't know if you want to wait it out. <laughs> please pass. Please pass the lighter. Can you pass pass the bick over, please? <sighs> you know, some people asked if we were ever going to do this song again. <laughs> like Garth Brooks talking to that cancer lady. Do you see that clip? <laughs> oh, God. Yes. The cancer lady? The cancer lady, yeah. That's the that's the YouTube beautiful. thing. Beautiful. I it's love beautiful. this intro music. This is one of the it's one of the better songs you've ever written, Peach. It's a great song. Well that's very nice. Well it's perfect. Uh we should put it up on the on the website in full because it's <laughs> perfect gone. Yeah, it's a, it's a total soundtrack song. Can I mm. download it off of Napster illegally? You can get it on MySpace. Okay. <laughs> So, may take a while. Please don't, please don't pirate my stuff. <laughs> I use the LimeWire. You can, did you get? You can get it on LimeWire. That's how old that song is. <laughs> no, um, come on. That song it's is not a. That old. It's a total movie soundtrack song. Total. Well, that's it's a compliment a, to me. It's a complete I feel John I Hughes take that like. As a nice compliment. See, I feel like that's that's the music being played when the protagonist leaves town. No, you got it. That's a great guess, Cal. But if you heard the words, it's the it's the separation music. It's when the the guy is separated from the girl. Yeah, that's yeah. Like he's it's oh okay. Of, he's leaving, and now he's driving cross country, and he's but, thinking of the girl. But we're gonna be able to montage it and bring him back by the end of the song. And he's oh, going to be—he's right. going to be standing there with the suit, like reality bite style, standing there, suitcases. My dad died. I'm back. Yeah, I missed you. There's this a lyric in that in that song, Cal. That that goes, "I like my empty life. I never have to use my light." <laughs> it's a little bit of a downer that song. Well, it's a beautiful song. It's the kind of tune that the first time I heard it, like Peach sent it over, and I was reading the lyrics, and that's when you make the phone call. 
Like you don't email back and be like, "Oh, great song," or you make the phone call and you say, "So everything okay?" Or <laughs> anything, anything I, it wasn't a cry for help. It wasn't I anything swear. you want to talk about. There were there were sets of lyrics that I would, I would write and and I would I would email them to PJ and I always knew if like I touched a chord if I got a phone call immediately. Like there's some <laughs> some lyrics I would write I'd email them off to PJ and he'd email me back and be like oh these are cool I'm working on them whatever. And then some I would write and send off and f like four seconds after hitting send I'd phone <laughs> right exactly. Are we Dude, okay here? Are we okay? Where are, where are you? Are you are you sitting? Are you okay? Are you safe? Are you safe? Yeah. Are you safe? <laughs> um, PJ, uh, fear of heights, yay or nay? I do not have. I fear so many things, but I, I don't I, fear heights. I'm okay with heights. What? That wow, Vegas. That's a huge upset right now. You can you can put me on on top of uh, a very 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 tall building and I will lean over the railing on the roof to look down. I, I wow. enjoy that. I yeah. can put you there though. You can bring me there. Right. You can so leave you're me. Only, you're only okay if somebody places you there. Tell me there's a plate of spring rolls up there and I'll go, <laughs> and then I will I will enjoy it greatly. Um, <laughs> you're laughing. We're gonna. At me. We got to get to sports because there's so much to do. But I, I, I just have to bring up this one thing, guys. It's first of all, it's great to be back. Week off last week. I was sick. My whole the house of San Pete was ill. Mm. Um, we had one of those classics where you know one kid got a stomach bug, gave it to the wife, gave it to the sitter, gave it to me, gave it to the other kid. People running 102 for seven days. It was ridiculous. It was it was a petri dish here. It was ridiculous. Um. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, well, you know what? I'll save it for the fun load. I'll save it for the fun load. I, I just remind me to tell you guys about <laughs> the low carb, the low carb wraps that I have. I, I just, I saw that, I noticed this tonight, and I cannot wait to tell you guys about this. But I'll tell you in the fun load. All right. All right, we'll have to wait for it. Peach, can we uh, can we come back to that in the fun load? Can you write that down? Are you making? That's uh, that's I'm make, I, I am making a note. That is low carb rats. <laughs> rap. No rat. Rap. Right. Not and and, and it's not like uh, the low carb rap. Like yo, I'm no sugars, no carbs, no. Not like that. Not a low okay. carb rap. Like, Take a lettuce and tomato, no cheese on top. <laughs> I got a burger, no bun. Got a burger, no bun. Got a burger, burger, no bun. But put bacon. I'm the worst rapper. Yeah, my, mine would be low-cal rap, not low-carb rap. Oh. Right. Mine if is, you're, li- if you're listening to this on Friday, then you'll have to wait until Monday to hear the story. <laughs> That's correct. So... If Enjoy your weekend, everyone. Come back on Monday. <laughs> if you hear li- about Sam Pete's adventures with low-carb wraps, if you're listening to this on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, hope you're having a great weekend. Hope you hope it's going well. Maybe you. I feel bad about yet. teasing teasing it all the way out to Monday. By the way, that always that's a little rough. It's it's not that great now. Now it's been way too built up. I think I think somebody writing the low-carb rap would be far better than what I'm going to talk about. <laughs> What rhymes with bacon? Bacon. Thank you. Bacon. Kevin Bacon. <laughs> Wait, that's... Bacon rhymes with Kevin Bacon. 
Ricky Lakin. Macon, Georgia. Taken with Liam Neeson. <laughs> These are all excellent suggestions. What rhymes with <laughs> Claude Aikens? What rhymes with Almonds? Almonds. Common. Solomon. Solomon. Solomon's plural. It would have to be many Solomons. Many. It's a bar mitzvah. Charmin. <laughs> Toilet paper. Charmin and almonds? Yeah, I don't. I'm not. Shaman. You got. You got to work on it. You got to lean into it and make it work. He's a songwriter. This guy. <laughs> Charmin and almonds. Ramen. The noodles. Ramen, ramen and almonds. Yeah. There you go. I can't eat ramen, but I can't eat almonds. Common. <laughs> I'm not faking. I'm just making bacon. Common down with, <laughs> with Ricky Lakin. <laughs> Where is Ricky Lake? Anyone? Uh, Minnesota. He's around. <laughs> Minnesota. She's just in Duluth. No, it's a body of water in Minnesota. Oh, I see. Ricky Lake. I see what That's you did there. That's what we're asking. Good one. <laughs> yeah, so good I had to explain it. <laughs> All right, let's 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 do this. Let's talk about sports. How did PJ get the center square tonight, by the way? I don't know. He, he initiated the call. When we do our Uvu chat, there's three of us in the room, and somebody gets to be the center square. It's usually me. Because, <laughs> because, because I initiate the call on Uvu. Once again, no... Once again, no money at all going. And right now, we're just doing the Hollywood Squares thing where we look around the square. I'll take a picture. Hold on. I'll take a picture. Cal, start talking about sports. Sports. We got a lot of sports to talk about tonight. What do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about the Jets? Sports ball. Over over the Pittsburgh Steelers? Are we going to talk about the Jets tonight? And if we talk about the Jets, are we going to talk about sports? Or are we going to talk about all the other stuff going on with the Jets? Planes and banners and all kinds of backup quarterbacks in Philly. It's a uh, it's abundantly clear. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that. I took some video of us playing Hollywood Squares. I'll put that up on the website. Um, uh, and on the YouTube channel, it's abundantly clear when it comes to the Jets that the story is not the season. So the story has once again become not about what they're doing on the field, but everything that's going on off the field. And I, I do want to tease our show next week. We are scheduled to have a great Jets bye week roundtable with – can I do this as Don Pardo? Are with, they confirmed? They are confirmed tentatively. They have all said yes. We're just okay. – no, no, they've all said yes. They're all into doing it. We're just hopefully going to be able to put the time together uh, Thursday night. We might have to do it Wednesday. Might have to. Yeah. But can I do this Don Pardo style? Please. There's no other way to do it. It's the Jets bi-week roundtable with Dom Cosentino, Chris Lepresti, and Joe Caparoso. And now your hosts. Cal and Sandpede. <laughs> Come on, that was pretty solid. That was good. That was thank you. 
May, I may, don't, he, I don't may he rest his, in peace. I don't remember his voice being so shaky, like a ghost. There <laughs> yeah. you go. Um, un, unless, of course, you're doing the current ghost of Don Pardo. <laughs> Correct. I'm doing Don Pardo right now, and he then, is a ghost. Then that works perfectly. I believe I'm owed an apology. Uh, my apologies to the chef. Yes. So uh, to get back to the Jets, we have here's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're, we're going to talk about the Jets, Cal. We're going to talk about the Giants, Cal. We're going to talk about Major League Baseball hot stove heating up. Um, I also have a little something on um, that I would like to talk about with hockey, just to touch on. Mm. Um, so let's get right into it. Now, with the Jets, the story is obviously off the field. Um, the fire, itzik billboards, the uh, the planes and the banners going by. Uh, and then they somehow come out and get a win this past week against the Steelers with Michael Vickett's quarterback, you know, playing just efficiently. And then, of course, Mark Sanchez uh, starts for the Eagles, plays pretty well, um, does a good job there. So there's all the revisionist history going on with Mark Sanchez and the Jets. A uh, couple things stood out to me, Bri. One of which is I feel like at this point with the Jets – and I don't know if you feel this way too, I'd be interested to see if you do, that all bets are off. Like everything I think I know about what's going to happen or have an inkling about or maybe a, an inclination, anything could happen. Anything well, from Itzik being fired to Rex being fired to them both being fired to anything could happen. Them both coming back. Them both coming back. Anything could happen. The reason why you don't why you don't know what you don't know or why you don't have an inkling is because I don't believe they know at this stage of the game. I don't think that, I don't think Woody Johnson has a plan right now. I, I think, and maybe I'm giving him a little too much credit, but I think at this stage, Woody Johnson is exploring everything. He's in the reconnaissance phase right now. He's looking into do I want to clean house? And if I do, who am I going to bring in? What are the ramifications of that? What if I keep? I think he's just. I think he's just thinking about everything right now. I don't think he's made any decisions. And I also, I also don't know. I'm sorry. I also don't know if they can do anything between now and the end of the season to to affect that one way or the other. I think he's just. He just doesn't know what he's going to do yet. I think that. Well. You saw a Jet team this past week against the Steelers get four turnovers. That was the biggest reason they won the game. They played a very solid defensive game. I think Rex Ryan finally overall coached and play called for the defense he has and not with the defense that his ego says he has. Um, and, and he mixed up his blitzes a lot more competently he gave safety help over the top anytime i was looking at this cal and somebody pointed this out i think it was christian dyer anytime he had one of those two corners uh adams or williams playing up and playing press coverage gave them over the top help with a safety gave them just gave they got it whether you know roethlisberger figured it out or not he was if the other guy was playing 10 yards off the corner that was playing man and press coverage got a safety over the top. Now, if that had been there all year, 
you, you know, again, you might be looking. It just seems like he play called to the defense he has, not to the defense he wishes he has. And there are so many components to this. Field on Sunday, they were not, uh, once again, the talent gap is not that wide. That's why things like fire Itzik are silly. They're silly. I mean, there's a number of reasons that they're silly, and this is an overall theme of probably the sports we're going to talk tonight, Cal, is mm-hmm. the in, in, the entitlement of the fan bases that we are a part of and how right now the fan bases that we are a part of are more annoying than the fan bases of our rivals. They really are. And are more annoying than the actual teams. Correct. More annoying than what's going on on the field. The talent gap is not that wide. It's not. If this team was better coached, they would... They could easily be four and six right now or five and five. They could. If Rex Ryan had been coaching the team he has and play calling for the team he has and Marty Morningway as well. I mean, Marty Morningway's had a bad year. He's had a bad year. They all have. Yeah, and, and, and look, no small part of this is the fact that Geno Smith did not take the next step. It looked like he was going to, and he didn't play well. He was wildly inconsistent. But if you look at that offensive team out there, they've added Percy Harvin, but otherwise the weapons are all the same. Why are the weapons enough to score points the last two weeks and not and move the ball and not before? Well, there's, that, that the answer to that is simple. You don't know it. I, I don't. Oh, it's the quarterback. It, it can't all be the quarterback. It's the I'll tell you why it's the quarterback. Um, not because Vic is a million times better than Geno Smith. It it doesn't have to do with the talent level of the quarterback. It has to do with settling down the position. Um, I get that. I get that. I think think Michael Vick has a credibility to him that the players out there, when they see Michael Vick calling signals from from the line of scrimmage, it's Michael Vick. It's a a 10-year veteran in the NFL. He knows... Nobody has to question. He knows what he's doing. He's going to make a lot of mistakes, just like Geno Smith is. But with Geno Smith, he's, he's, he's been the quarterback of an NFL team for, what, 21, 22 games? Right. Michael Vick has, has been doing it 10 times as long. So I think just the fact that Vick is the quarterback settles everything down. And there's, I think players are a little calmer on offense. Yeah, that, no, it just felt it just felt different, right? You're watching the game. It's absolutely legitimate. That, that's completely different. legitimate. But there, that shouldn't change. I think it changed the way that Marnie Morningway called a game, and well, that's problematic. Like he should have been calling. If you have to again, if you have to like red light, green light, yellow light your quarterback, you're stunting his growth. There well, were games. Me, I mean, there were games in there where they ran a remedial offense with Geno Smith. If you have to do that, if you have to simplify, especially early on, if you have to simplify your game plan to the point where you're running, you know, Chaminade's high school offense, then then the, then the guy shouldn't be your quarterback. Well, I got I got two things on that. Number one, um, they did the same thing for Mark Sanchez in year one. Remember, right? With the but color coded year two. No, but my no, my point is, what's the common denominator in that? Rex. Okay, that's the first thing. The second thing is <clears throat> Michael Vick is very 
intimately familiar with Marty Morningwake's system. So Marty Morningwake can do whatever he wants with Michael Vick because Michael Vick knows it very well. Geno Smith is learning it. So I think that that makes a big difference, too. I don't know if Morningwick changed his plays that much this week. I just think Michael Vick knows them much better. You saw the shot down the field to TJ Graham, which was a beautiful throw by Vick. Dialed up early. There were only two receivers in that route. That route is designed, That play is designed to go downtown and take a shot there, and Vick threw a beautiful ball. My point was, Cal, it seemed like and and you're and you're right. This is the other point that this the common theme is Rex Ryan. But yeah, but they the they thing. they get to a point where they got to a point very early on with Gino where it was like, let's just keep simplifying and simplifying and simplifying so he doesn't turn the ball over because the as Rex Ryan said, the quarterback's job is not to score points; it's not to lose the game. In his in his when he's coaching a team, well, that's a huge friggin' problem. That's mm-hmm. a huge problem. I'm pretty sure that, you know, Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck, Tom Brady, Colin Kaepernick, these guys are, are their goal is to score points. It's Would not you? to not lose the game. So if you have to simplify your offense to the point where you're deathly afraid of your quarterback making a mistake, which is what Marty Morningway did, probably at Rex's behest, then he shouldn't be the quarterback. Would you consider that an outdated notion of the yes. quarterback position? Yes. Okay. Entirely so. And I think I think that is a huge that's a huge part of the problem with Rex Ryan. Yeah. I think Rex Ryan is still living in late eighties, early nineties NFL, which is a completely different NFL than we're in right now. We we we've said this a lot and I think it's coming to you know, view a, a lot lately. We've said this for years, and that is, he, he's not going to win. He's not going to be a winning coach without a veteran, established quarterback. He's not because he can't develop. He can't a develop a young quarterback. He just doesn't have. The, he just doesn't have the ability to do it. Well, not only that, it doesn't jive with what he wants to do. He wants a responsible. Uh, game-managing quarterback that doesn't F with his defense. I mean, this 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 Steeler game was a classic Rex Ryan coach game, coach win. Classic. They get an early lead. They go into complete offensive shell. Complete. There's no dagger there. There's no going for the jugular. There's no trying to put the game out of reach. None of it. And it's I got a I got a lead. I'm going to rely on my defense to hold it because my my guys will do it. My defense will hold the lead. And he got lucky that they did. They almost blew it. Yeah. They were an onside kick away from having them right back in the game. They were an offsides away. An offsides because on an they recovered kick. the right. onside kick. Right, right, right. So uh, again, this is how how long are we going to see? The, we're we're back to square one with the Jets, which is. How long are we going to see Rex Ryan win games this way? I'm tired of it. I really am. You know, the thing with Rex Ryan, and we've been saying this for five years, we've been waiting for him to evolve as a coach. All right? He took over. He was a brand-new coach when he took over, and that's, and that's fair. Yep. Yep. Not, you can't, your expectations have to be managed. 
And he played to his strengths. He played. He coached to his strengths. His strengths are defense. He coached to his strengths. He had a he had a rookie quarterback. And his other strength is relating to the, or getting the players to relate to him, developing relationships with the players that they want to play hard for him, and that's fine. And that worked for a couple of years. And then he had that really bad year three, and what we wanted to see out of him was some sort of evolution. We wanted to see some some ability to adapt. After a bad year, a lot of things went wrong. That was the Santonio San Holmes year. Yep. I didn't know what was going on in the clubhouse. Lost the and, team. Yep. And, we, and we, we had hoped that in year four, he would adapt. And I think he tried. I think he, he legitimately tried to adapt, realized it wasn't in his comfort zone, and then went right back to what he does well. And that's what he focused on. And then this same thing this year. I think he just – I don't think he doesn't have the ability to adapt – I think he refuses to adapt, and he's not comfortable and doesn't want to. Yeah. His, That's his, what I think. I, I, I agree, Bri. And I think his shortcomings are so evident now. Like, they're so clear. Like, his, his, his you know, self-scouting and scouting, you know, and, and his belief in his guy. Like, he said a couple of weeks ago to Brickishaw Ferguson's having, his, like, his best season. Like, come on. We watch tape. But again, I don't know if that's him self-scouting or if that's him blowing smoke up the players' butt. But it doesn't matter it, I, I, what it is, Bri. It doesn't matter which one it is. It's it's bad. No matter how you – whether it's him blowing player, you know, smoke up to Brickishaw's behind or, uh, you know, or he really believes that he's having that good of a year. Either way, it's bad. I, I agree. I agree. And it's delusional. I think there's a lot of things that he's, and I don't mean to use that word with the gravity that it usually carries. I think he's football delusional. I really do. You know, I think he gets something in his head about a player or his guys, and it's diluted. It really is. I think there's something to that. And so, okay, we go back to the Jets and wrap them up. Because I do want to talk about the billboard thing. Mm-hmm. So we have to talk about the billboard thing because this is insane. Nothing – I didn't think Tebow could be topped. <laughs> In what way? You know, Tebow probably can't be topped right now with the organization. It really can't. But this isn't the organization. This is Jet fans. Right. This is Jet fans raising $10,000 in four days for a billboard to get John Itzik fired. And putting up the billboards and being oh so proud of them and then realizing they put up the billboards on the Monday after a bye week and nobody's going to be by the stadium for three weeks. Mm-hmm. Good thinking, everybody. Uh, then, you know, desperately crying for publicity by trying to hold Woody Johnson hostage, there'll be more billboards and banners if you don't meet us face to face. Are you kidding? Here's, here's what gets me. Here's what gets me so much about this. And we've said this forever, Bri. Why does nobody listen to us? These sort of things, and I'm getting frustrated by it because it's the same thing with the beat writers. Why does it matter? Why does it matter? Because this is how the rest of the National Football League views Jet fans. All of us. 
It's the same thing with the beat writers. When the beat writer stories get picked up nationally, like Manesh's stories about it being a circus and dysfunctional and leaks and sources and Revis, they get picked up nationally and everywhere else people think it's true. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I keep saying this to the fire itzik people. I understand you want change and you're you're, you're doing it because you love your team and blah, blah, blah. They're laughing at you. At us. They're not laughing with us. Seven emails that day when they raised the $10,000 from non-Jet fans, they were all laughing. At Jet fans. It wasn't, oh, you guys are awesome. You're so passionate. Look at what you're doing. Great. They were all, you guys. What is wrong with you guys? What is right. wrong? You guys, and it's everyone. Yeah, it's all Jet fans. And that's what that's what pisses me off no end about this, because it's a reflection of, it's a reflection on Jet fans everywhere, and there are Jet fans are already a, a laughing stock. They are. They're already fickle New Jersey meatheads. Who get in fights with at you know and punch girls and try to you know at the stadium and try to get girls to show their misunderstandings, uh, you know in the the, the 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 stereotype is already there. You're not helping, and you're certainly not going to get John Itzik fired that way. You're not. It's not going to work. The notion that Woody Johnson is going to drive down Route Three and look at that and be like, you know what, I should talk to these guys. They make a good point. Or how about, well, they're calling me out. I really better get them in yeah. for a meeting. Yeah. I mean, we want change. We, we you know, we want, well, okay, then don't go to the game. Well, we, I bought PSLs and season tickets. Well, I don't want to hear you bitch about PSLs. You got an awful lot of discretionary funds for banners and billboards. Then don't go to the game. There is one thing that Woody Johnson will understand. Don't go to the game. Sell your tickets to the opposing fans. Yeah, but that didn't work this week. Sure it did. How did it work? It worked because there were 30,000, 40,000 Steeler fans there. You know why it didn't work? Because they won. And because John Itzik's team is not that bad. Why, did we, why didn't we hear about uh, the lack of talent this week? Because that's all we've yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know what I heard about this week? No. Woody Johnson needs to meet us face-to-face, or there'll be more banners and billboards. Or else. Well, the team just went out and beat a probable playoff team. Is that right. a, no, no good? See, here's, here's the problem. These guys think that they're embarrassing Woody Johnson into doing something, when in reality, they're only embarrassing themselves. That's I'm it. Brian Calvi. <laughs> RTU Minute with Brian Calvi. Ready to un- sanctimonious enough. Ready to unload lits with Brian Calvey. <laughs> um, nah, I- what, whatever. I it, it, it the entitlement is is staggering, but and, and and the publicity that these guys are looking for is I mean come on. How do you yeah, how do you say we're not doing this for public for publicity and then you you threaten the owner of the of the Jets. But they're not doing it for publicity. On a on a quiet you know when your billboards go up and nobody says anything. Right. And nobody's going to see them for three weeks. 
mm-hmm. you suddenly come out and be like, oh, we need we want a face to face with what? It just stop. Now here's, look, here's a lot of, a lot of people are behind them though. Good, good. Knock yourselves out. You know what? You, you want to give fifty dollars to that uh, to to their billboards? Then go give fifty dollars to Let's Eat. Go to turnonthejets.com. Go to Let's Eat. Go to Feeding America and go donate fifty bucks as well to feeding hungry people in the name of the Jets. Which is better? Hey, these guys have come out in support of, of uh, Turn on the Jets and Let's Eat. Well, how they could they said, not? What are they, what are they, what are they going to say? Well, Plus, they already raised their money. But they're raising more because there's going to be more billboards yeah, and more banners. Whatever. Take your billboards. In. Look, I read something today that was very interesting on uh, Gangrene Nation, on SB, uh, on SB Nation. And it was a very detailed article about the salary cap floor, which is the uh, – it's a very complicated uh, collective bargaining formula. And the Jets are, are under the salary cap floor. So basically, it's not about your what you spend in your cap. It's what you spend in your cash. And the article is – Cal, the article is in-depth. Like my head hurt. Somebody, somebody commented like, can you explain the string theory now to me because you just explained this? Like It's very complicated. But essentially, this guy lays out like how the Jets in the next – it's over four years. So it started in 2013 and it goes to 2016 and you have to be 89% of the total of cash spent, not cap spent. Okay. Which is signing bonuses, stuff like that. Signing bonuses don't count towards the cap, but they count towards cash, right? But then a big number towards the count cap doesn't necessarily count as cash, et cetera, et cetera. And basically, the thesis here was the Jets are in danger of not meeting that cash floor because of how little John Itzik has spent the first two years. So I got to the end of this. And, you know, what does this mean? Well, they'll have to spend X amount, blah, 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 blah. And if they don't get to it, they'll have to pay players from four years ago and all this stuff. And I get to the end of this and I really desperately want to comment, but I can't because I'm in transit and I don't have time to sign in and I'm I'm on my phone or whatever. But all I want to say is this. This is an excellent article. It's extraordinarily well-written and well-researched. Do you think John Itzik doesn't know this? John Itzik, the... What was he known for, Cal? What was he? What was he? He's a bean counter. He's a bean counter. Or a bean counter. Right? He's a capologist. He knows nothing about scouting. He's strictly a cap guy. How did they hire a cap guy? Uh, okay. So I, you know, I'm, I'm like raising my hand on SB Nation. Um... Hi, Steve Sampietro, RTU. Um, doesn't John Itzik know this? Don't you, don't you think he's for this? And also, he's created so much cap room and cash room. He could spend like a wild man the next two years, you know, when they're ready to maybe compete. No? No good? He probably doesn't know this? You're probably the one who's illuminating this? You should send this to him. Maybe put it on a billboard. 
yeah, I'm, I'm quite confident that John Itzik is aware of the cap floor and what they need to spend to be at it and how much room he has. You know, next year, Cal, they're going to have $30 million in cap room. A little less if they, if they keep Percy Harvin. No, no, Percy Harvin, again, this is money towards cap and money towards... He was he he factored in Percy Harvin and they're, they'll still because the cap is going to go up. Oh right, the cap goes up like seven or eight million dollars, and that basically evens out what Percy Harvin's money is. They basically stay at it, it, with the contracts that are coming off. Um, they basically stay at like thirty million dollars under the cap. They actually they actually even with with Percy Harvin they still wind up picking up. They still wind up at like twenty-five or thirty million dollars under the cap. He's gonna have a lot of money to spend. Watch what happens when he doesn't spend it all next year. Well, then that's a different story. And and saves it. See, to me, it made sense for him to save it this year. I didn't see who he was going to spend it on. I I didn't. And then he was able to spend seven and a half million dollars on Percy Harvin, who, by the way, looks like a coup. To me, it's okay in his couple of games. Yeah, he's looked here. better than okay. I think he's looked. He had, he had ten catches and 160 yards last week. Yeah, For, against Kansas City, he had 100 yards of offense last week. He had, right, 60, he had like 60 yards rushing. Right, he's played in three games so far, right? Yeah, yeah. The Buffalo game was his first game. Obviously, he was traded for that week. And then Kansas City game, he had like what 10 for 135 or something ridiculous. He's done okay. He's done, I think, better than okay. I think he's looked great. Okay. You want and to say great? Go ahead. No, I, I mean, I think he's, for what we've seen out of the wide receiver position, he and Decker had 20 catches together against Kansas City. Mm. A healthy Eric Decker. Go figure. Yeah. So. No talent. Let's, get, let's, let's wrap it up this way. They, they have a bye this week. You know let, what that means? Let me take your temperature. They can't they lose. They can't lose. Let Get me, it? Let me take your temperature. Same old jet. Butt fumble. Oh, we didn't even talk about my boy. We'll, we'll get there. I, I I was very happy for him. It's very it's hard not to be. Well, not for some Jet fans. To be not, no. I, I feel like the Jet fans are getting all over the Jets for letting him go. Right, which is... The very definition of revisionist history. Right. Hey, look, if Rex Ryan didn't want to beat the Giants so badly in a meaningless preseason game, he would have probably played and started the whole year last year. And we wouldn't be having this conversation. He'd either still be here as his backup, or he would have been gone, you know, having played another season and not played well or played mediocre and been gone. I mean, you could you could say, hell, I'm going to. It's our podcast. I don't even care. Uh-oh. And yes, my pants are off, which means we're safe to check for vertigo. You, can, you could say that decision by Rex Ryan. So Itzik drafted Gino and forced him on Rex and made him play. And this year he, there was no competition, which we all knew there was no competition. There shouldn't have been a competition. They were trying to get Geno Smith to be the quarterback. You could say that decision by Rex Ryan, and it was 
by Rex Ryan. Based solely on his ego, Bri, about not wanting to lose to the Giants ever. Set this whole whole thing in motion to where we are now. Because if Sanchez doesn't get hurt, he wins the quarterback job, which he was winning anyway. He was going to be the starter. Everybody knows it. Even Yellow Dog knows it. Do we know that for sure? Yes. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Sorry. I don't think we really did know that for sure, but okay. no, no, no. I've seen it. I've seen it from credible reporters that I like that are not sensationalists that were there last year. Mark Sanchez was winning the quarterback competition and was going to be the starter, and he had clearly outplayed Gino. Clearly. Okay. And that has rung through the halls with guys like Dom, guys like Christian Dyer, guys like uh, Lepresti. So, if Sanchez doesn't get hurt. Gino doesn't have to play. Probably comes in at some point last year. They probably don't go 8-8. Eight and eight. They're probably... They might, you, could, you could make the argument that they might have been better than 8-8, eight and eight, but there's a good chance also that they go like 6-10. and ten. Mm-hmm. Gino probably comes in at the end of the season, plays a couple games, gets some experience. He probably doesn't win them. And we come into this year. Sanchez is gone. Thank you for your service. And Gino and Michael Vick are in a legitimate quarterback battle for, to be the starter because Gino hasn't won anything. And if he loses to Michael Vick, yeah, it's another season where he doesn't... You could make the argument they go 6-10 and 10 and Rex gets fired. You could go. You could make the argument they go 9-7 and seven with Mark Sanchez. They won eight games with Geno Smith, playing some of the most awful football ever for a four-week span. Maybe they go 9-7 and seven with Mark Sanchez with a veteran back there. And they make the playoffs. Then do you sign Sanchez back? That decision to put Mark Sanchez in that game, huge implications for the franchise. Huge. So here we are. Does Itzik stay? Gut feeling, bye week. Does he stay through the bye week? No, I think he's going to make it. Yeah? We're halfway through it. Well, let me let me backtrack before we get to the Giants and then hot stove. Okay. Will the Jets go on a little run here with Michael Vick? Sure. Six and ten? They're two and eight right now? That's correct. They have two left with the Dolphins, one with the Bills, one with the Patriots, one with the Titans. And one with the Vikings. And one with the Vikings. Two uh, ver- two very winnable games. Five and eleven. Five and eleven. Okay. Rest of the way. Does Vic play the rest of the way? Uh as long as he doesn't get hurt. Right, but, but Bar, I think, barring health, right? Right, but I think he's going to get hurt. Okay, but if he doesn't get hurt, he plays the rest of the way. Right, but I believe um, Gino's going to wind up. We're not. We haven't seen the last of Gino Smith. Wow, it's like a comic book character <laughs> of the Flash. Right, <laughs> the, the 30s serial, the Jets. You haven't seen the last of Gino Smith. 
Um, what about okay? So five and eleven, Rex is fired. Five and eleven, I think. Think Rex is fly, is flyered. <laughs> I think he's flyered as well. I think he's sent to Philadelphia and put in a Flyers jersey. And he no, probably, I, probably has one. He loves hockey. He sure does. I think he's going to get fired. Okay, John. It's six days. One more year. Gets a chance to hire his own coach. I think he will. Yeah, I think so too. I don't necessarily agree with it. Where do you put really? I don't know if I don't thought you just sneak that one by me. I don't know if I I don't know. I don't I don't know what I it's you know, you this is how you opened it. I'm gonna close it like this. Right. I don't know what to think. I'm with you. Any, I, anything could happen. I think anything can happen, and I, I wouldn't be surprised anything happening. And I'm not 100% sure what they should do. I think that they... I'm, I'm pretty confident they shouldn't bring Rex back. That's, that's the one thing that I, I, feel, I feel pretty strongly about. I think his time is coming gone. As do I. I think they go 6-10. and 10, And I think... I think they both get brought back. For, but Rex doesn't get renewed or get an extension or anything like that. And I think they both get brought back. And I think if Vic plays out the season and plays well, they bring Vic back to be the quarterback next year. And they give Rex a shot with a veteran quarterback. Because I think Itzik firing Rex, and this is only if they go like 6-10, and 10, somewhere in there. If they go 4-12, and 12, he's got to be fired. I think... Ooh. Rex, I think Woody thinks Itzik has a plan. He's trying to do it. We're going to get to year three of it. We're going to have money to spend. We're going to make a move. We're going to give Rex a veteran quarterback. We're going to fix the cornerback position. And the talent gap is not that big. Which it's not. So you've got got Itzik coming back no matter what. I do. I do. I, I'm really hard pressed to see Woody firing him. I really I just just there's a plan. There's clearly a plan in place there, both financially and organizationally. And I think Woody's bought it. Jim Harbaugh sh- or you know John Harbaugh shakes free. Jim Harbaugh. I mean uh, Jim Harbaugh. All bets are off. I mean for everybody. If I was Itzik and. Jim Harbaugh shakes free. I'm renting. I ain't buying. Yeah, honey, do the kids like school or do they love school? (laughs) Do they love school? This is not great. Okay, uh, Giants, quickly. He's got to go, right? Who? Who? Tom Coughlin. I mean, it's it's, it's at the point where really now... I think so. How do you ease this man into retirement? And he doesn't want to go, Bry. Uh, no, of course not. I mean, he's going to... This is... <laughs> the sports guy, Bill Simmons, compared it to uh, trying to put, you know, trying to put, like, your dad in a home. Like, you burned down the house, like, three times now. It's time for assisted living, Grandpa. You know, like... Y- 
he's got to go. That te- that was rough. And I know they were in the game late. And I know it was you know seventeen seventeen, and then and it was only no twenty four seventeen. I watched a lot of that game. I never for a second thought they were going to win that game ever. Um, I I, <clears throat> I thought I mean they were hanging in there. I thought they had a shot. They were they were leading after the half, seventeen fourteen at one point. I've never in my life. No, it was tied at the half. Right, it was tied at the half, and then they took the lead in the in the, in the second half. It was fourteen fourteen. They took the and they took a seventeen fourteen. That's right. Lead. I'm sorry. Right, right, right. I've never um, I've never seen a team get run on the way the Giants were run on. It looked like Seattle was running against a Pop Warner team at at, at points. I mean, Lynch was running for seventy eight yards a pop. Russell Wilson would roll out, and and the entire field was empty. I mean, he was like, he was just like, oh, don't mind if I do. And he just ran like 20 yards. He could have kept going and he ran out of bounds. It I was just, wild. They just, it really was. It, I mean, every single play. I don't, he couldn't have thrown more than 10 passes in the second half. Didn't every need to. Sing, every single play, 8 yards, 9 yards, 8 yards, 10 yards, 12 yards, 8 yards. It's crazy. I have, I have, what do you do if you're the Giants here, Brian? What can you do? There's nothing you can do right now. Well, you, you gotta move on. I mean, well, what well, about the end of the season? Yeah. Oh no, obviously you're not going to show Tom the door ever in season. And you know it's it would be very giant like for him to get them to seven and nine or eight and eight. They're three and seven right now, right? Three and six. Three and six. There's a lot of fans that are still thinking they have a shot at going nine and seven and making the wild card. There's no ch- nine wins is not going to get you the wild card in the NFC. I can't imagine ten, that's happen. ten wins might not get you the wild card in the NFC. Probably not. You might need eleven wins to get a wild card in the AF- NFC. I mean, look at the standings. No, they're 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 done, and they still have to play what San Francisco and Green Bay. Yeah, no. I tell you, their secondaries. You know, all banged up as well, which I heard nothing but injuries, but nobody mentioned the Jets losing four of their top corners. That's fine. Uh, for the Giants' secondary, secondary's not, I mean, you got Odell, you know, Victor Cruz obviously got hurt. Odell Beckham Jr. looks like a real player. But when does Jerry Reese take a hit? Soon, he'd have to. Not two Super Bowls, Bry. The two Super Bowls. Is gonna go a long way. It goes. It's already going a long way. Look at the talent on that roster. I mean, look at the draft picks. Like the, he's not done a good job in the draft. Uh, he he should. Coughlin should go. Um, but if he doesn't want to go, I don't think they're gonna force him out. He'd go nowhere. He don't want to go. He don't go. Yeah, I don't know what you do with Tom Coughlin. I just told you what you do. You get rid of him. Yeah, but you can't fire the guy. You can't because he's not going to fire the guy. Can't you strongly suggest it's gold watch time? I mean, really? Do you? You could. If he doesn't want to go, he's not going to go. At what point is Tom Coughlin like the too old for this crap cop? I think now. Yeah, I think he's there, right? I'm getting too old for this. Boop. Yeah. 
He totally is. Well, Francesa, to his credit, made a great point. Not going to run Tom out of town, okay? But it might be time. And that is, he's 70 years old. No, he's 68 or something. Is he 70? He's either 69 or 70. Relating relating to 20-year-olds, 21-year-olds. Like, that's a big gap. It's a big gap. Six. Okay, so he's, so you're going to go sign him for four more years? Marv Levy coached till he was in his 70s. Different time, Bri. Different time. Marvelous Marv Levy. No Twitter, no iPads. No iPhones. No iPhones, no iCameras. No eyewitness news teams. None of it. Actually, I stand corrected. There was an eyewitness news team. Probably several, yeah. probably several nationwide. There was Bill Butel, Roger Grimsby. Here now, the news. And here now, the news. That's right. Was that Grimsby or Butel? That, that was Roger Grim. Roger, Rogers, not Rogers. <laughs> Rogers. Right? He's related to Rogers Hornsby. <laughs> yeah, by virtue of them having the same first name. Right. Rogers Grimsby. Roger Grimsby and Bill Butel. Rogers Grimsby, a fantastic shortstop. Um, they were our, our news a team. lot, <laughs> like uh, right on camera, like on the on the no uh, yeah. problem. Cigarette well, that, going in the ashtray, right? And then his on channel that was that was Channel Seven, yes, in New York. On Channel Two, you had Jim Jensen, Jim Jensen, yeah, who was uh, drunk <laughs> most of the time. He was, I mean, he was an alcoholic. And then you had you had John Rowland on Fox, right? John Rowland was on Channel Five, which wasn't Fox yet. No, it wasn't Fox. It was just it was just Channel Five, right? Uh, and then on Four was was Chuck Scarborough, Chuck and, Scarborough Sue Simmons. and Sue Simmons, yeah, for years. Jack yep. Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band at Five Brown. at Five. I think it's John Caff. Was it John Cafferty? Jack Cafferty. It was Jack Cafferty. <laughs> no, it was John Cafferty. But only Jack, not the entire band on Live at Five. Live That's at right. Five. Live at Five. For Live at Five, right before uh, right before the news at six. Yep. Live at Five, Marv Albert used to do the sports. Yep. Al Roker did the weather. Sure did. Mr. Was... Mr. G did the weather, weather on what? On PIX? On Channel 2. Yep. Stormfield. Stormfield Channel 7. Well, Dr. Frankfield. Dr. Frankfield was on Channel 2. Channel 2, Frankfield. So PJ, where was PJ's Mr. G? Indicating Mr. G was Channel... I thought Mr. G was like Channel 9. No, that was Lloyd Lindsay Young. <laughs> wow. Hello! That's right. Who said caucus? Right. I forgot about Lloyd Lindsay Young. Lloyd Lindsay Young. Insane. Speaking of drunk, he was he was a mess. Hello, the caucus. That was some broadcast with Russ Salzberg. With Russ, with Russ Salzberg on sports, yeah. Well, and and of course, Channel Five had the great sportscaster, uh, sportscaster uh, Bill Mazer. Bill Mazer, yeah, amazing. Yeah. yeah, amazing. I remember when I did my internship at. Uh, Channel 5 my, in the sports department and I met Mazer. It was a big moment. It was a big, it was like a it was a real coronation for me to yeah, meet well, that he guy. Was, he was a living legend, that man. And I I, uh, 
I, I, I forget who the guy was that I was working with. He went to L.A. He's a younger guy at at uh, Channel 5. He's a sportscaster? Yeah. Jim Rome? No, 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 no. It was... Uh... Oh, shoot. I can't remember his name. He was very good. Real good-looking uh, African-American guy. I can't remember his name. Sportscaster. Oh, yeah, he was. Channel Five. Yep, he was really close with Mike Tyson, and he, he would get exclusive interviews with Mike Tyson and uh, uh, White. Uh, oh, um, Carl White. Carl White. Yep, Carl White. Great guy. Took me out on a remote. Did a remote oh, yeah? with the Giants with Herschel Walker. Oh, wait a minute. Herschel Walker was not a giant. Are you sure about that, sweetheart? I'm positive Herschel Walker was a New Jersey general. Nope. He was also a New York giant. Mm. I beg to differ. Go look it up. I don't think he was. Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker. Herschel Walker. Georgia, Georgia, Georgia Bulldog. Herschel Walker. Oh, look at that. In 1995. Which is the giant. year that I did my internship. Uh, yep. I stand corrected. Carl White took me out to uh, Giant Stadium, and we did a uh, a remote with uh, Herschel Walker. It was very cool. Yeah, it was a good internship. All right. Um, Giants uh, play the San Francisco 49ers this week. Oof. It's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a very difficult game. Um, I have, uh, we, we, we need to talk about the Mets. Briefly. Yeah. There's not a lot to talk about. Just the hot stove stuff. Sandy Alderson is pissing you off no end. Uh, Jacob deGrom won the uh, National League Rookie of the Year, which is awesome, Bri. Kind of quietly. Just really cool to win an award. The Mets haven't won a lot of awards. Somebody pointed out the Mets have been so bad in the last four years Yet they've had a batting champion, a Cy Young Award winner, a Rookie of the Year, and there was something else. And they pitched a no-hitter. So in the last four years, as bad as they've been, they've had all of these individual accolades. Right. Now, uh, three... No, no, comment, comment on that. Well, three of the four of those are no longer with the team. Uh, that's right. Three or four of those players, the batting champion, the Cy Young Award winner, and the no-hitter thrower, <laughs> hurler, uh, no longer with the organization. So oh, You're right about that. That's true. Yeah. So that puts it in sort of perspective. They've never had an MVP, have they? Never. Robbed in 88. Robbed in 88, right. Strawberry should have been MVP in 88. And McReynolds, I think, was fifth, right, that year? Um, Fourth or fifth? Is it possible that Strawberry and McReynolds were two and three? Could have been. Strawberry was definitely two. Yeah, I feel like, and I feel I like think that McReynolds was, might have been three. You're right. I feel like that was the whole problem was they they took votes away from each other. They canceled each other out. Eighty four, you could argue Hernandez should have been the MVP. <clears throat> Absolutely, I, I think he finished in the top five. I know he did. Didn't Carter finish in the top five in eighty five? Uh, he might have. Yeah. They have a lot of top five finishes. They do. Yeah, they do. 
They have a number of players that finished in the top five. I they've think never had they've never had uh, an MVP. Uh, Lucas Duda got an eighth place vote this year. Yay! Nice for him. How about that? Good for Lucas Duda. I'm not sold on him, but great. So they uh, add they add be a uh, long winter with this one. Oy, oy, oy. They add uh, Michael Kadire. Great aggressive signing. Is it a is it a sign of things to come, Brian? No. I think that that's. I don't think there's going to be much more. Okay, that's I think, it. I think that. I think that was their. I think that was the big addition that you're going to see. They'll tweak here and there, but right. I don't think they're. I don't think they're going to go out and get an all-star shortstop. Put it that way. Okay. Speaking of tweaking. <laughs> wow. Uh, I'm rapping again. There it is. The low carb rap. Um. Sandy Alderson's been uh, really cutting it up. Yeah, hysterical, this guy. Very funny of late. I happen to like like his last few comments, you know, taking a shot at Boris and taking a shot at the fact that there are people in the Mets organization that leak stuff everywhere. Um, you have a huge problem with this. Is that correct? Well, huge. You don't like it. You're, you're done with Sandy Alderson anyway. I am. So this is nothing. Um, um, well, no, it's not nothing. It, who, I don't, I don't understand why he feels the need to try to be funny all the time. Well, I think he wants to try to lighten the mood. Yeah. Well, you have to kind of understand the situation that you're in. All right. You, you, you put together a team that sucks. Whoa, whoa, slow down. For slow down. a number of years. Slow down. Okay. It's a below 500 team. Has he achieved anything, though? Has he achieved anything? Yes. No. What's the Mets player uh, organizational ranking right now? Uh, is it sixth? I think it's fifth. Okay. It's sixth. What was it when he took over? Um, I don't know. 21st, 22nd? 23rd. 23rd. Okay. So he's... Okay. So... Improving your organizational ranking 17 spots allows you to go on a comedy tour and try to be funny every single time. I'm simply saying... He's allowed to do that now, right? That's no, okay? I'm simply saying you said he hasn't achieved anything, mm-hmm. and I beg to differ. What is? Explain... Can you tell me what that achievement is, though? Yes, I believe, that that, I believe the health of the organization as a whole... From a talent standpoint, mm-hmm. farm system included, mm-hmm. core core of players coming up, uh, is vastly improved from when he took over four years ago. Okay, and I think that's an accomplishment. I think he, I think, I think that was part of what he was charged to do. I think he has failed at the major league level. We've talked about it a ton, right? But I think organizationally, as a whole. Changing um, uh, what was a very bereft of talent minor league organization into a very good minor league organization and organization as a whole is a credit to him. And maybe Di Podesta and 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 Ricardi as uh, uh, Ricciardi as well, but I, I, he's got to get some credit there. He has to. Okay, bravo. He's, he's about to he's about to run out a rotation of Harvey. Wheeler, DeGrom, uh, Nice, G, Cologne, Montero, Syndergaard, 
Uh, he's got Steven Matz in the pipeline. They've never been healthier from an organizational standpoint with pitching. And that's that's something. That sure. is something. That's all fair. Everything you said. Does that give him right the right to be as 100% you, fair. as you called him today, Richard Klein? Yeah, probably not. No. But I I I I see where I like that he's this loose right now. Because I feel like he was this way when he came in. He had a certain arrogance and confidence that I liked. And then he didn't know where to use it or when to use it. And then it sort of went away, and he's just like a bitter, pissy guy. And now I think it's back because I think he knows they're going to be good. Okay. Now. All fair. He still has more to do. Am I confident that he's going to do it? That was that's that's it. That's all I have to say there. Like like my, like my Jewish rabbi there. Just am I confident? I don't know, but I could use a pickle. Um. So we'll see. Hey, hey look the the eight hundred pound the eighty pound gorilla in the room. Just a very small gorilla. It's Terry Collins. Here's where we can unite, Brian. Mm. He named Bobby Prinell the closer today, November 13th. A guy coming off Tommy John surgery and then a neck surgery. Mm-hmm. He's that's uh, our closer. I tell you what, Bobby's our closer. Bobby's going to fight. Bobby Prinell fights you. He's going to be a closer on my team. Oh, Terry Collins is preventing me from being enthusiastic about the Mets. There, I said it. All right. Well, you're not with me on that? Uh, Look, there's not much more to say. (laughs) So so I got it all? Yay for me. Hey, I did something today, Brian, that I think you'll love. I signed up Wesley for the Mets Kids Club. Hey, that's great. Isn't that cool? I like that. Yeah. Were you in the Mets Kids Club? I think I was one year. I was. My you uncle got a batting glove, right? Yep. My uncle Larry. It was on the back of a milk container and you yeah. sent in the you sent in the milk container back and you filled it out and then they sent you stuff in the mail. Yeah. All kinds of goodies. And my uncle Larry, great guy, huge Brooklyn Dodgers fan, and then he became a Met fan. And uh Literally like one of those sort of cliched, like he was a Jewish guy who married into our very Italian family. Um, very early on, like it was sort of verboten and wow, I'm bringing Germans into this. And um, but, you know, he married my, my aunt Camilla and like, here's this Jewish guy in our family. And, you know, we eventually some of the older Kumas like eventually welcomed welcomed him with open arms. But it took a while. But he was just a great baseball fan from Brooklyn. Like, just loved the Dodgers. Like, a Jewish guy. Grew up with the Dodgers. And became a huge Mets fan. And he loved, loved that I played baseball. Loved it. Like, was always, every time I'd see him, he was getting caught up on stats and just what I was doing. And he signed me up for the Mets Kids Club. And told him, like, like it was like the greatest day ever. I think it was like 10. 
And he was like, yeah, I signed you up. I said, you should be getting the stuff in the mail. And I got like a batting glove in the mail. Yeah, it Met was like that, that plastic batting glove. Yeah. yeah. Blue and white. I remember that, Tremendous. sure. So I signed Wesley up today. I tell you, it's not a bad deal. It's like no. 20, 25 bucks. You get 10 game vouchers, a T-shirt, a lanyard, very big. Uh, lanyard bracelet, very big. The kid, I told the kid about it today. He went through the roof. That's great. Yeah, it was good. It was good. He, and he, Wesley has this thing now where he says, I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> you couldn't possibly have known that. Um, are you good with uh, baseball then? Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> we got plenty of time. Don't really, yeah. We got plenty. All right, good. Anything on the Islanders? No, you said you had something on hockey, though. I did. I'm starting to once again surprise myself at how into hockey I am. Well, a good team will help you. That's, not, that's for sure. Not only that, I'm experiencing something with the Islanders. I'm, I'm wondering if you are too. You know, it's four or five years here I've been watching 40, 50 games a year. Like, I've, I've been in back in since A, we started doing the show, and B, since they got Tavares. You know, in years past, you know, there were a number of years where I would watch 10 games, 20 games. Since they got JT and we got one of the best players in the game, um, 40, 50 games a year. Two years ago, I was about 60. We've seen these guys every step of the way. Like, we were texting each other when they drafted Ryan Strom and they drafted Josh Bailey. Mm-hmm. I was watching that draft. I was there. The night they drafted Ryan Strom. Right, you were at the the Islanders draft party and stuff. At the draft party, yeah. It's so exciting to see a team that you followed this way, like, finally just, it start to click. Yep. It's just so cool. And I'm trying to, I was trying today to think of other examples. Well, uh, the 86 Mets. It was probably the closest thing to it. 86 Mets, yeah. Because we watched Strawberry, and we watched Gooden, and we yep. watched Darling, and we watched Dykstra, and we watched Backman, and we we watched them all debut with the team. Yep. And then turn into the 86 Mets. It's the only thing close, I think. It, it, it really is. On that on that level, because there's, I mean, there have been players here and there on our on teams that we follow that you've watched them get drafted or or. So, you know, make their debut with the team and then they turn into, like, David Wright. Yeah, but there's he's, so many young guys on this Islander team that were drafted by them. It's 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 the core of the team that they have, that they have supplemented. Exactly. Like, the, like I was going to say the 06 Mets, but the 06 Mets, yeah, it was Wright and Reyes, but the Delgado, Delgado was traded for, you know. Beltran. Uh, Laduca was traded for. Beltran was a free agent. Billy signing. Wagner. Right, the, the you know uh, the pitching staff you know were yeah, no they were, it was just right and race yeah exactly so you yeah the eighty six Mets is probably the best comparison it's so enjoyable yep it really is a different it's taking on a different feel it really is it is and you know they're ten and five now and they're almost halfway through November and they haven't collapsed right right which is saying something too yeah I yeah, mean exactly. It's well. My point is that a team like this, the more they win, the more 
it's going to start to pick up steam, I think. I totally agree. You know, like I think that they become more and more dangerous the more that they win because that doubt doesn't even enter their mind anymore. They yep. go every night they show up at the, at the rink and expect to win. Yeah. And they got and if they can get through this November with like a winning record, mm-hmm. that's really going to go a long way. Really yeah. going to go a long way. Hey, last thing before we go to the fun load. We we touched on this briefly. The entitlement of our current fan bases. Ooh. And you were talking about this today. Who's, we got a, who's the more entitled fan base? Who's the most? Oh, I thought you were going to give me a choice. Well, it's of our three fan bases. The oh, next. of our? Of our cause yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yankee fans are obviously the most entitled. Always. Followed, followed by Giant fans. Correct. Um, but of our three fan bases, right, right. now, most, most entitled are Met fans by, by a long shot. And and please define what we're talking about here, because it's, it's a different entitlement than Yankee fans. Yeah, no, entitled is uh, we've been bad for so long. You owe us a good team. We've stuck with you while you while you've been so bad, and now you owe us. We we held up our end of the bargain. Now it's your turn. You owe us. That's that's what entitled means. You get it with Jet fans too, but mostly with Met fans. Yeah, I think and and also we're entitled to answers, we're entitled to a say in how the club is run, we're entitled to you know, uh personnel decisions, we're entitled to like it goes beyond just we're entitled to win. Right. It goes, you know, to It's like you're part owners of the team. That's right. Right. Because rep- because we've been bad. Right. You report to me as the fan. So I want to report on my desk tomorrow morning on how exactly you're going to improve this team. Yep. And how you're going to make my how you're going to make me happier. As right. A fan. And because I'm, I'm a good fan, I'm a loyal fan. I pay my money. I, I deserve better. It's it's an extension of to the idea of a fan base rather that would rather be right. We never we saw no more evidence of it this week than with Sanchez of a fan base that would rather be right than be successful. They, they'd rather be right. They, they would have rather have been right about Mark Sanchez than be successful. And his failure was better for them than the Jets going 12-4 and four and making the playoffs. It was. I, don't, I don't agree with that. I know you use that a lot, and I don't necessarily agree with that because I think a fan would rather win the Super Bowl than be right about something negative. But I'm not talking about winning a Super Bowl though. I'm just talking even, about being successful. Even twelve and four and making the playoffs, I think a fan would much rather do that. But my but the point is they sure as hell use the negative and play it up for all it's worth to try to compensate for not getting the positive. That's what I think. Okay, but that's that, that's fair, but what I'm saying is they're actively we're seeing we saw it with Geno Smith like they're actively rooting for a player to fail on their own team so they can be right right well because they want both they want it both ways and if because they got they, to 12 and 4 with Mark Sanchez he wouldn't get any credit for it and it would be in spite of him because he still gets no credit for anything he did here 
and and outside of being four and two in six road playoff games with nine touchdowns, three interceptions, a sixty five percent completion percentage, and a ninety four QBR, and beating Tom Brady on the road and a fourteen and two Patriots team where he threw three touchdowns, it's no credit for that. That that, that didn't happen. The defense carried him. Well, I, I think they. At I, least you're not bitter. I, I am bitter. No, you're not bitter. I'm admittedly very bitter about that. I. This that game on Monday night pissed me off to a degree I can't even fathom because it should have been different here with Mark Sanchez. Should have been. But it wasn't. And he got a raw deal from the Jets and he got a raw deal from the fans and he also did a bad job himself. All right. Well that I'm glad you said that because let's not get him off the hook. No, he he regressed because of it. Right. So rather than rising above the crap that they were putting around him, he regressed because of it. But he's weak. Eighty percent of it is on the organization. Honestly. Mm. Oh, Cal, you can't. I mean, you, you go back and look at who he was throwing the ball to in 2012. Go look. I, I can't. You can't. You can't. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't watch Marty Gilliard get 65 snaps in a game. And and have Mark Sanchez be blamed for not having a good game. I can't. Can't. It's ridiculous. I'm not saying the guy's, you know, uh, Joe Montana. But you see what he can do when he, when he has talent around him. And coaching. Man, we should have got Chip Kelly. Oh, boy. All right. Okay, we're going to wrap up the episode 203 portion of our show, which was about the sport ball. Um, good stuff, Kyle. You want to take a final sports unload? Yeah, I'm just happy that there's a bye week this week for the Jets. Never really a fan of the bye weeks before, but this is coming at a good time. I could use a break. I totally agree. And my uh, final unload is go to turnonthejets.com, go donate to Let's Eat. Let's uh, let's have Jet fans be known for something good. That's why Joe Caps and the guys that turn on the Jets idea was so good. Let's be known nationally for something nice. Let's get this story picked up when we raise $12,000 to feed the hungry. As opposed to a billboard. You dummies. PJ, final sports unload. <laughs> Hello? What? Hello? Hi, you're hi. You're on with Cal and Sam Pete. The, the Mets. Hello. Please, please turn down your radio. Please turn down your radio, sir. PJ from Freehold. You're on with Cal and Sam Pete. Why are you playing that guitar, <laughs> sir? Please. Can we get Joe Tory. <laughs> For what? A commercial? <laughs> sure. Got a this lot is of Joe Tory for Bigelow T. All right. Uh, definitely tune in next week, guys. We're going to have a great round table with uh, hopefully Dom Cosentino from NJ.com, Chris Lepresti from WFAN.com, and Joe Caparoso from TurnOnTheJets.com. And we'll probably talk about the Yankees, I think. Probably a good idea. All right. That's all for Episode 203. Thanks.
for the memories. And now, in three, and two, and one.